If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to go to Exodus chapter 5. We're in this Exodus series. This is our third week now. And to just kind of recap for us a little bit, the first week we looked at those Hebrew midwives that spared the lives of those Hebrew children and how they stood up to Pharaoh, even though there would have been tension with that and pressure with that. They stood up, they trusted the Lord, and the Lord worked those details out. You also saw Moses' mother trusting God as she places Moses into this basket and into the Nile River and how God orchestrated all of those things out, even to the point where he takes this young boy named Moses, who's going to be the deliverer of the Hebrew people, and he places this individual right into Pharaoh's home. And then last week, Pastor Lance walked us through that moment where Moses is at the burning bush, and Moses, with humility, falls down in the presence of the Lord. And God brings out His name, I Am, or Yahweh, and He declares who He is, and He tells Moses, I want you to lead these people out of Egypt. That you'd set them free from slavery. And Moses thinks that's quite a tall order, and you kind of hear his reasoning with that, and he's talking about the weaknesses that he has, and yet in the midst of that, God's power will be put on display. And we looked at 2 Corinthians 12 and how that first message about trusting God and in the meantime, God gives you a grace that's sufficient. And then how Pastor Lance's message brought in the fact that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And Pastor Lance ended his message with Moses and Aaron with those Israelite leaders And they all begin to fall down and worship when they hear that God has sent Moses and Aaron and that also God has heard their groans. They feel God's heard them and God has sent help. They're convinced of this. You see that at the end of Exodus chapter 4. And we're going to pick up right away here in verse 1. Of chapter 5, but before we begin, I just want to lay out the title here of the message today. Perhaps one that you're going, Where are you going with a message entitled, Oh Baby? But uh, Pastor Lance referenced this song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, last week, right? And the next line is, Oh Baby. Okay, here's the thing there's a certain generation that had no idea that was coming next. And uh, I tell you what, there's some people that have heard that song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go, right? And it's Camp Sunday, so all you campers have probably heard that one before. But there are some moments here, kind of like, oh man, oh baby, these are big things. And I want to focus on those today. One of the first one is a very serious tone in regards to the hardness of heart. So that's one component we're going to look at. Another one is is have you ever been frustrated to the point where you're just like, oh, man. Anybody? Okay, a few of you? Okay, more hands on that one. That's good. All right. We're being real here. But that frustration, it's okay to be real with the Lord when you're frustrated and be able to bring that to Him. And then the last one, can you imagine seeing the Red Sea being parted and this miracle? Oh, baby. Right? So we're going to look at those three components and walk through some of those things today. We are covering ten chapters of Exodus today. We're not going to be reading all of these verse by verse, but we're covering a lot of ground to get from this point where these Israelite leaders are convinced that God sent them all the way to the point where they've crossed the Red Sea and they are worshiping the Lord with a song of deliverance. We're going to get all the way through Exodus 15 today, so buckle up. We're going to go for a ride here, okay? But before we do, this is God's Word. We're going to ask that He would settle our hearts to receive from Him today. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, You speak to us. You guide us. You lead us. You instruct us by Your Word. And Lord, as we look at a real account from several thousand years ago to see the amazing power that you have 
and to just know that the same God who spoke at that time is speaking now. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd settle our hearts. Help us to receive from you today. And we ask your grace and your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Exodus chapter 5, starting here in verse 1. This presentation was given to the Israelite leaders, and when it's over, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, and they told him, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel. He says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Pharaoh's response, is that so? Is that so? And he goes, and who's the Lord? Who is this Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And I want you to hold on to that. He says, I don't know the Lord. You see a hardness there. That's going to come into play much louder as we continue. So Aaron and Moses, they persisted. They said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And if we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. And Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you're stopping them from their work. So Pharaoh gets upset with this request. And in verse 9, it says that he tells them to load them down with work. He's upset. He's ticked off. Make them sweat. That'll teach him. He's bugged by this request, and he pours that frustration right back out onto God's people. So these Israelite leaders, now they come before Pharaoh, and they try to tell him, hey, can you just back off just a little bit? You know, and Pharaoh doesn't give in. And so in verse 20 of Exodus chapter 5, they leave Pharaoh's court and they confronted Moses and Aaron who were waiting outside for them. And the foreman said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You've put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Then Moses he goes back to the Lord and protests, Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? And ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he's been even more brutal to your people. And you've done nothing to rescue them. It's like Moses is saying, Hey, Lord, do you see what happened after we opened our mouth? I told you. I've now made it worse for these people. Well, the Lord responds to that. Exodus chapter 6, starting in verse 1. The Lord tells Moses, He goes, Now you'll see what I'll do to Pharaoh. And when he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them, he'll force them to leave this land. And that's prophetic. You're going to see that play out as we carry on. So God says to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them. Verse 5 says, You can be sure that, that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I'm well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I free you from your oppression, and I'll rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I'll claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you'll know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. And in verse 9, Moses goes and tells the people of Israel what the Lord had said. But they refused to listen anymore. 
They'd become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. And I want to just stop for a second. There's going to be some focus on this individual named Pharaoh. But you also see in regards to the hardness of heart, even God's own people, that when the struggles are intense, they're going, I don't want to hear from the Lord. And we can look at the Israelites and we can say, come on guys, don't you know that God can do this? He can set you free. But, I mean, put yourself in this scenario even today. We can do this very thing. Troubles come, we get frustrated with God, and we kind of put up this like, I just don't want to hear it right now. So even hardness of heart here can settle in, even with God's own people. So when Moses gets this response, he brings this back to the Lord. He says to the Lord, probably brought this forward, the Lord tells him here in verse 10, go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. And this is where Moses kind of comes back. He's like, but Lord, my own people don't even want to hear me now. So what? Pharaoh's just going to be like, oh, hey, Moses, good to see you again. Not so much. He says, I'm a clumsy speaker. I opened my mouth. I've made it worse. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. So now in Exodus chapter 7, starting in verse 1, it says that the Lord said to Moses, pay close attention to this. I'll make you seem like a god to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Tell Aaron everything I commanded you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. But I will make Pharaoh's heart stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. And even then, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you. So I will bring down my fist on Egypt. Then I'll rescue my forces, my people, the Israelites, from the land of Egypt with great acts of judgment. When I raise my powerful hand and bring out the Israelites, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. Moses was 80 years old and his brother Aaron were 83 when they made their demands to Pharaoh. Now this was not at the time where people would live to be like 900 years old. That was before the flood. So these guys are well along in years. They'd probably be like that retirement age. And this is just a little word to that generation. If you're listening right now, you can't just check out from the things that God would want you to be doing. These guys are 80, 83 years old. Perhaps in those years, God might call you to the biggest things that will ever happen in your life far as your service for the kingdom. God's not done until you take your last breath. And God's going to use these old men to lead two and a half million people out of slavery. I just think there's an interesting point of having that be there in verse 7 for us. Is God wants to use you. If you've got breath, He wants to use you. So in Exodus 7, as this continues, they go before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asks for a miracle. So Aaron's staff, thrown down, turns into a snake. That would probably catch your attention, wouldn't it? If I just took this mic stand, threw it out there, it's a snake. Some of you would be like, okay, I'm listening now. All right. Right? Somebody would be trying to stomp it out. But Pharaoh has these evil magicians. Okay? And they can do the same thing. So no big deal, Moses and Aaron. This God that you come in the name of, our guys can do the same thing. What's interesting in this is Aaron's staff swallows up theirs, which would be impressive to watch, but it doesn't even phase Pharaoh in Exodus 7, verse 13. It says, Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. He still refused to listen, just as the Lord had predicted. So, enter in the plagues. Perhaps you've heard of these ten plagues here of Egypt. 
but I'm going to start walking us through them. The first one is that the Nile gets struck and it turns to blood. And fish die and the river begins to smell and the Egyptians can't drink it. And what's interesting is Aaron actually turns all water to blood, not just the Nile. So rivers, canals, ponds, and reservoirs, even stored water turns to blood. But guess what? Those magicians of Pharaoh's, they can do the same thing. So in verses 22 and 23 of Exodus chapter 7, the Bible tells us that Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He refused to listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had predicted. And Pharaoh returned to his palace and he put the whole thing out of his mind. So enter in the second plague. Any frog lovers out there? Frogs start coming out of the river into homes and into beds across the land. They're going to be jumping on Pharaoh and all his people. Can you imagine waking up to a bed full of frogs? But Pharaoh's magicians could do the same. Now Pharaoh does give in, asking for these frogs to be moved, and even kind of relenting, but then he ends up changing his mind the next day. And in Exodus 8, verse 15, it says that when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn, and he refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. So enter in the next plague, a plague of gnats. Some translations say lice. How'd you like that? Can you imagine gnats infesting the entire land? Have you ever been outside on a summer day and you see this swarm kind of just hover over the ground? Could you imagine just them being everywhere? I mean, when you're caught in one of them, they're like going up the nostrils, right? Okay? Can you imagine the annoyance of this? And Pharaoh's magicians try to do this, and they say something I think is incredibly powerful. In Exodus 8, verse 19, they are now telling Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. So even these evil men are recognizing God here is at work. But Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted. So enter in the next plague. Flies. How many people have pet flies? <laughs> the ones that bite the ankles, you know? Or go all Mike Pence on you and land on your head. They just bother you while you're trying to work on stuff. It, these guys fill Egyptian homes and the whole land of Egypt is thrown into chaos. And Pharaoh does give in, but changes his mind. In Exodus 8, 30-32, Moses leaves Pharaoh's palace and pleads with the Lord to remove all the flies. The Lord does that, and not a single fly remained. But Pharaoh again became stubborn and refused to let the people go. So enter in the next plague. All the livestock of the Egyptians die of a plague. Now, if you've got some translations here, like the New King James Version, it would say that all the livestock in the field die. And it's an important thing to note because some of the next plagues are going to actually continue with Egyptian livestock, and if they all died, then how are these other plagues touching the livestock that's already dead? So the in the field is an important thing to pick up because they probably had livestock back in the stables. But all the livestock of the field die. Horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. And Pharaoh, in verse 7 of Exodus chapter 9, he sends out his officials to investigate all of this. And they also discovered that the Israelites had not lost a single animal. But even so... Pharaoh's heart remained stubborn, and he still refused to let the people go. So enter in the next plague. Boils. 
boils on people and animals alike, including those magicians of Pharaoh's. Handfuls of soot thrown into the air causing boils on all of these people. And I gave you probably the weakest picture of the skin condition boils. How about that? On a little baby's arm. But if you Google this, you're in for a treat, let me just tell you. But the sores on these people and how agitated they were. And I want to point something out in Exodus chapter 9, verse 12 that sort of leads us into the old baby number one. The Bible says this time that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And just as the Lord had predicted to Moses, Pharaoh refused to listen. Folks, hardness of heart is a very serious matter. Up to this point, Pharaoh had been a very stubborn individual. We saw that from the beginning. He goes, who's the Lord? I don't know Him. I'm not going to let you go. And then you see time after time the Scripture saying Pharaoh's heart remains hard and he continues to say no. Continues to be stubborn. And here we reach Exodus 9, verse 12 when the Bible tells us now that God is getting involved with His heart. Very serious thing, and I want you to stay with me as we continue to walk through these plagues in regards to the hardness of heart. The next plague is one of hail. And the Lord sent thunder and lightning and hail, and never in their history was there a storm of this magnitude. And now Egyptian lies in ruins, except where the Israelites lived. And in Exodus 9, verses 27 through 30, And then again in 34 and 35, the Bible says that Pharaoh quickly summons Moses and Aaron. And he says, this time I've sinned. You're thinking, oh, we've got some confession going on here. He says, the Lord is the righteous one and my people and I are wrong. Please beg the Lord to end this terrifying thunder and hail. We've had enough. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. Moses goes, all right. And as soon as I leave the city, I'll lift my hands and pray to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail will stop, and you'll know that the earth belongs to the Lord. But then he says something that reveals the heart of Pharaoh and his people. He says, I know, though, that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. You just want this circumstance to end, Pharaoh. And that's revealed just verses later, because when the rain and the hail and the thunder stop, he and his officials sin again. And Pharaoh again becomes stubborn. Because his heart was hard, Pharaoh refused to let the people leave, just as the Lord had predicted through Moses. So this moment where things stop, Pharaoh hardens his heart once again and says, I'm refusing to let people go. And this is one of the last times that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. You're going to see here about another eight times where it talks about Pharaoh's heart being hardened and about seven out of those eight are all by the divine, direct hand of God. This is why this is a serious thing. Hardened hearts. So the next plague to come in is locusts, and they devour every plant that would be remaining from the hailstorm. So Pharaoh, in Exodus 10, verses 16 through 20, summons Moses and Aaron again. I've sinned against the Lord. Your God and against you, forgive my sin. Just this once, just one time, just forgive it. And plead with the Lord to take this from me. So Moses leaves, the Lord responds, the locusts are gone. Not a single locust remains, like we've seen this before. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again. So he refused to let the people go. So enter in the ninth plague. 
darkness. A deep darkness that covered the land for three days. And people couldn't see each other and they dare not even like move. It was so dark. But there was light where the Israelites lived. Interesting. And in Exodus 10, verse 27, says, The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart once more, and he would not let them go. And now he's upset, and he shouts at Moses. He says, I'm warning you, never come back to me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Moses says, very well, I'll never see your face again. And this comes now to the final plague, but there's some instructions that God gives before this plague takes place. There's going to be the plague, which is the death of all the firstborn. And as the Lord would pass through Egypt, all firstborns will die, and there'll be loud wailing heard throughout Egypt. But among the Israelites, there won't even be a dog barking. And so God gives instructions of what's observed still to this day and known as Passover. And that word Passover, the Hebrew meaning for that means to jump past. And God gives instructions to the Hebrew people to go and kill a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes, those who have that blood on their doorposts, the angel will pass by. And at midnight, the Lord struck all the firstborn males. If you go with me to Exodus 12, verses 30 through 31, Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night, and loud wailing was heard throughout the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. And Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night, and you see this rage. Get out. Leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Fulfilling that prophetic word that was given to Moses back in Exodus chapter 6. When God said that Pharaoh is going to feel the force of my strong hand and he will not only let the Israelites go, he's going to force you to leave. So back to the hardness of heart being a very serious matter, I want to pull something out here that I think is applicable for all of us. I don't know if there's any Pharaohs listening or if there's any of those God's people that refuse to listen like we saw at the beginning. But the longer you camp out in your stubbornness, the harder things are going to get. Oftentimes, God has to break the heart of the stubborn in order to get their attention. And you see, Pharaoh is absolutely crushed. You kind of wonder here, with everything going on in his empire and even losing his own son. His stubbornness then leading to the Lord saying, I'm going to use your stubbornness now to show my glory. That's a serious thing. Hebrews 10.31 tells us that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A terrible thing. And in Romans 9, Paul emphasizes that God's mercy was done for Pharaoh. He says, the Scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I've spared you for a purpose. Now, I'm going to show my glory through your stubbornness. And it says, you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and He chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. 1 Samuel 6, verse 6 tells us to not be stubborn and rebellious as Pharaoh and the Egyptians were. There's some application here for us. Let us be people who have soft and responsive hearts. People who aren't prideful or stubborn or rebellious. And it says, by the time God was finished with those people, they were eager to let the Israelites go. 
And you know that Pharaoh did not know God, and so there's a hardness that already exists because he's an unbeliever. And Ephesians 4 addresses that in verse 18, telling us that unbelievers have hardened hearts. But hardness of heart can develop in believers too. And Hebrews chapter 3 tells us this. And it compares the hardness of heart in Moses' day to the hardness of heart that people have to the voice of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says, This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. When the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to be people who respond. Verse 13, you must warn each other every day, just like I'm warning us right now, so that none of us will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So even believers can start to get a hardness of heart. And when Jesus gives us the the story or the parable of the soils. The seed is God's Word, and He says there's the path, there's the rocky soil, there's the thorns, and there's the good soil. And when He describes the path, that is a heart that's hard. And when the Word of God comes to that heart, it doesn't take root. And He says birds come and take that seed and carry off with it, and Jesus says that is Satan who comes to take that Word from that individual. And their stubbornness did not allow that word to penetrate their life. And so as the seed goes forth, as the Holy Spirit speaks today, do not harden your heart. So getting back to this story here with the tenth and the final plague and the loss of the firstborn, Pharaoh finally demands that the Israelites leave. He's done. And in Exodus chapter 13, those Israelites, they leave, and off they go, onto their journey on the edge of the wilderness. And in verse 21, the Bible says that the Lord went ahead of them, guiding them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and He provided light at night with a pillar of fire. And this allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Can you imagine two and a half million people being led by this type of thing? God's presence is with them as they are delivered now from slavery. But the story's not over. In Exodus chapter 14... Verse 5, you can see this building up. This guy that kept changing his mind, guess what? Changes it again. In verse 5, it says, When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelites get away? Verse 6, So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. And he took with them 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. And the Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. And the Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore. And what sea are they at? The Red Sea. And as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked, and they started laughing. Right? The Bible says they went into a panic. They weren't laughing. They're scared. And they cry out to the Lord, and then they say to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die? I mean, weren't there enough graves back in Egypt, Moses? I mean, seriously. 
And they even say, you should have left us alone and continue to be slaves. It would have been better for us to do that than to be out here dead. And Moses, in verse 13, he tells the people, you just think this great leader, he goes, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And you look at Moses and that kind of resolve as a leader. That's impressive. Right? The kind of courage and that faith that he had in God. But what's interesting is I think a little bit later we get a moment of weakness. He gives that to the Israelite people and it's like he turns right back around to the Lord and he's like, Where are you? I got two and a half million people that are like, we're all going to die because of you, Moses. A little help here, Lord. That must have been what happened because then the Lord's response to him in verse 15, he says, why are you crying out to me? You go, oh man. The situation they're in leads me to my next point. And guys, it's okay to be real and honest with the Lord on how you feel. You can bring those things to the Lord. When tensions are high, the circumstances seem a little bit unsurmountable, that's a great time to go to the Lord. Even when it's with some frustration. And you go, Lord, where are you in all of this? Because it's in that conversation that the Lord brings you instruction. And that's what He gives to Moses. And what's interesting here, God doesn't say, well, I want you to just sit there and pout. Maybe this will get better. This is what He tells him. Verse 15, after He asks, why are you crying out? He goes, tell the people to get moving. You know, when circumstances are tough and there's a lot going on, we could just sort of call it quits. I'm done. Throw in the towel. And God's like, get moving. Get moving. I'm going to do something, but I need you to start moving. And he tells Moses, pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and then they will charge in after the Israelites. And my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. And when my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory, and they will know that I am the Lord. And in verse 20, something really interesting happens. That cloud that's with them now settles between them and the Egyptian army. So another thing to note that when God says get moving, God also says, I'm going to take care of what's going on back here. So you just stay focused on moving in the right direction. You've got God's protection in the midst of all that's going on. And then the miracle starts to take place. The sea begins to move and we've got walls of water towering and we've got dry land for two and a half million people to cross to get past the Red Sea. And as the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart and that army's heart and they go out into this, we now have the perfect setup to wash the enemy away. And the water caves back in. And you see here in verse 30 of Exodus 14, this is how the Lord rescues Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. And when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before Him. And they put their faith in the Lord and in His servant Moses. Can you imagine what this would have been like if you were in that crowd that day? To be walking through this and looking up 
and seeing the towering walls of water and then to see your enemy get destroyed. You didn't slay them. God did it. And this miracle took place. You watch that go down, you're probably thinking, oh, baby, that is a miracle. And I want to encourage us today to understand that this same God who parts the sea is the same God who's doing miracles to this day. He's a miracle-working God, and I want to ask us all a question. What waters need parted in your life? Are you in need of a miracle? Is there a Red Sea that you need God to absolutely show up and do His thing? As you reflect on what that miracle might be, I want us to consider the song of deliverance that these people sang in Exodus 15. Drawing out some of these lyrics to the song that they penned in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they say, I will sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. He's hurled both horse and rider into the sea. And the Lord is my strength and my song, and He has given me victory. Yahweh is His name. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. And just so we're all listening, the same right hand is still powerful today. And at the blast of your breath, the waters piled high. The surging waters stood straight like a wall. And in the heart of the sea, the deep waters became hard. Not only can God take the heart of a man and say, I'm going to harden that to accomplish my purposes, God can also harden the deep sea. Who is like you among the lowercase gods, O Lord? Glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. The Lord will reign forever and ever. And so that means not just then, but even now and in the ages to come. We serve a miracle-working God. And we might need God to do a miracle in our circumstances, perhaps something that's in need of provision or healing or restoration. But the greatest miracles that take place to this day is when God takes a heart of stone. And that person says, I need Jesus Christ in my life. And God takes that heart of stone and He gives them a new heart. And forgives them and redeems them of sin. And even though we're stuck in the bondage and the slavery of sin, just like God making a way for these Israelites out of their slavery... God makes a way for us to be released from the slavery of sin. And the sea parter becomes the sin bearer on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for sin so that you and I could be set free. That same God is doing miracles to this day. And we're going to enter into a song of reflection here, and so I do want to invite the worship team to come forward. But this song of reflection is that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're children of God. And there's a line in this song that talks about how He will split the sea so we can walk right through it. God makes a way. And as we listen to this song of response, I'm going to come back up at the end and lead us in a word of prayer. But just... Reflect on the lyrics of this song as God has set us free and redeemed us from sin.
me right now Heavenly Father I thank you that the same God who spoke to your people and even to Pharaoh is speaking yet to this day and right now as the Holy Spirit is speaking drawing people drawing people closer to Christ Recognize that the Spirit says, don't harden your hearts when I'm speaking. Father, perhaps there's someone listening right now that, that you're drawing out of a life of slavery and sin and the bondage that comes with that. And you want to set them free because your son Jesus came to set them free. He paid the penalty and the price for sin. Giving his life, dying on a cross, and rising again, proving that his death and his resurrection is proof that he has atoned for sin there's someone right now that would desire to receive Christ into your life, I want to lead you 
in this prayer. Do not harden your heart, but lean in to what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. Just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, today I surrender. I ask that you'd give me a new heart. That you'd cleanse me from sin. Make me new. And forgive me. And help me to live for you from this day forward. Not for myself. Not for others who want to put demands on my life or influence me in negative ways but to live for you, Lord. What you say matters and what you say goes. Thank you for saving me today. Now in the sacredness of this moment with every head bowed and eye closed, if there is someone that just prayed to receive that miracle of salvation in your life, would you just... Let me know that you prayed that with me just simply by lifting your hand up and then placing it right back down. Say, Pastor Russ, I prayed that prayer with you. Anyone at all? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Just acknowledging, Russ, I prayed that prayer with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for new life in Christ. Lord, I pray that we all would be people who have responsive hearts to the Spirit. And Lord, that you would help us to be honest with you in those moments of frustration and whatever it is we might be walking through, but that we would also look to you for the miracle. And we thank you for this now. We ask your grace and your blessing upon this time now of worship and prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.